0: And that's that this, this, that, that uh, in morning, morning and an in evening, evening both will be, we'll be right, right here in here the Gospel, Gospel of Luke. Luke. Um, I want to see how, we, how we, that works, uh, how um, we do we just coming back, back to the same exact, exact, uh, same exact same passage, passage and we'll just kind of preach, it'll be a continuation. continuation sometimes sometimes. Uh, maybe it's easier maybe just to give our thoughts to one specific passage than to two. I know it was easier for me this week to just stay in one passage. We'd finished Ephesians with the exception of the armor of God on Sunday nights, we can always come back, back to that, that at another time, time and study and the armor of God, God as an individual subject. subject. And, and maybe in a, in a month's, month's time we'll see that that's, that's not really, really working, but, but I think it will encourage our people to come back on Sunday on night. And it'll just and kind of give us give a one-track track thought for the Lord's Day. In today's, today's passage, besides that, we've been in it since 2016, summer of 2016, we started that. And now, now, as we're to say, here in 2018, 2018 we're only in chapter, chapter 7. And, and we've had some had subjects, subjects where we've gone off the track. We've a whole summer series on all the disciples. disciples. We did a series did on the series Sabbath, Sabbath day. And so, and so let, let's, let's just, just make, make tracks through Luke next, next month, month and see, see how we, we do. 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 And do. And it's a joy just to come and hear from the Lord Jesus, whether it be looking at his actions or hearing his words. And just a blessing to study this wonderful gospel together. Do you, Do you remember, remember the, the reason Jesus Luke wrote, wrote this, wrote this, this book. book? The reason, the reason Luke wrote, wrote this book, this if, you, if you, you were to, to glance back at chapter, chapter one, 1, he wrote, he wrote it, it to a man named Theophilus, perhaps a patron of Luke, perhaps or or a or man, or man who was, was wealthy, wealthy, wealthy and paid to write a historical account of the life of Jesus. And Luke says, I undertook this effort," and he says in Luke 1, 1-4, that you might have certainty of the things that you have believed." You could even even glance back to chapter one if you want to look at that. That you you might might have have certainty concerning concerning the things that you have been taught. So Luke Luke is saying, saying, Yavis, you have invested your belief and and, and you've heard these things. things. I want want you to be sure, I want want you to be be certain, certain, be convicted and have confidence that what I've written and what you believe is accurate. Luke also says in Acts 2 verse 36 this, Let all the house of Israel know for certain." that, that God, God has made, made him, both Lord and Christ, Christ this, this Jesus whom you crucified. Luke, Luke seems, seems to, have to have a desire have for everyone who reads his books, Luke, Luke and Acts, that they, they might, might be certain of what they, what they believe. Think, think. This, this teaching, think. Jesus, this, this person, this, this word, is, is all this right? right. Are, are, you are you sure, sure about that? Right. Are you certain of the things that you have been taught? Some of you, since you were a little kid.
1: That's, That's the, point the point of the gospel. That's, That's
0: the, point the point of the study. Yeah. All the prophecies, uh, the, uh, the record, record of his, record of his of birth, birth, all the all early years, the beginning, the beginning of his, his ministry, the favor and the grace he he's come to bring, chapter 4, when he, he announces Nazareth that, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the, the gospel of the poor and to heal the blind and all that. The collecting of his followers and then the announcement of the traits that must mark those who want to enter the kingdom. The teaching of what the kingdom is and all the miracles that were meant to verify his message. Luke is recording all of this stuff. Leading to a, resurrection, a death and resurrection to, to let his readers know with certainty and confidence that Christ Jesus is the Messiah. And it's, and it's funny, funny that we kind of, of talked a lot about this in the Sunday school hour. Do you ever do you have a question? Have you ever had this thought? I mean, maybe, 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 maybe I'm admitting maybe something that I shouldn't. Have you ever thought this? Maybe the Muslims are right. right, right. Has anyone, has anyone ever had that thought? Okay, me and Matt have had that thought. thought? Okay, okay, had had, that thought. Uh, everybody, everybody else is lying. Maybe, maybe, maybe you haven't thought, thought that thought Muslims the Muslims are right, right but, but is is some, some, are, are, are we sure that, that this, this is right? right? Like, like, we're gathered here in this place, place, and, 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 and churches, churches like ours are gathered, are gathered all around, around uh, you know, Faith and Davidson, you, you got First Washington, you got First, first Baptist Almond, Almond. These, I mean, basically churches that are, that are, like-minded, are like-minded with ours, and their, their pastors are up thundering up away, just like I am, and, like I am. And, and everybody, everybody who's sitting in the pews generally thinks, thinks we, we got, got it right, it. we got, we got, got it, right. it right. And those, those guys, guys over there, they got it wrong, right? And Kingdom Hall, they got it wrong. Mormons, they got it wrong. But you know what? The Mormons, the people in the mosque, and the Jehovah's Witness, and the Roman Catholics are still thundering away, and they're saying we We got it right so So do you you ever think think. maybe we got it all screwed up and someone someone else else is right right. you ever think that that? maybe Maybe jesus Jesus really isn't the only way way. maybe maybe, maybe, i mean mean, certainly god doesn't want to send people to hell jesus jesus is one of the ways um and if you are honest everybody should raise their hands i mean maybe you never thought well the muslims are right but but you have and we, we talked talk about, about, about it in school and about it in Sunday school. Everyone, Everyone goes through these type of type doubts, whether it be a momentary, just kind of a fleeting thought, or, or something. something. It can, it be, can be a, a lifelong life. play. Am I really, Am I really saved? saved? Uh, is, is Christ, Christ, Christ really, really the promised one? Promise? Promise, right? right. Is what, is what, what I've, I've been, been taught all along the, the real, real thing? thing. The real thing. What product is the real thing? Coke. Coke. I did a little, little Googling, Googling of their, their old commercials. I'd like, like to buy the world to go. Da-da-da-da. Right? You right? know That's how it ends? ends? Here's, I never. I, I never, mean, you, I mean know you know that first part, because then, then you turn it because it it's, it's so, annoying, so annoying. But then d- 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 it d- d- ends like this. D- 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 um, d- 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 I won't sing it. I don't know how the tune goes at the end. But It ends with this phrase. It's the real thing. What the world wants today. That's how it ends.
1: It's It's the real thing. thing. In other words, if you drink drink something else, else, you're you're not enjoying enjoying the real real thing. thing. And And so so what what we're asking today is, have we drunk
0: and partaken of of the 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 real real thing? Or is there something out there that we've missed? Right? Luke wants us to be assured. He's writing with the design to give us conviction. And he does so in today's passage by introducing someone else who is doubting. And when he introduces the person who is doubting, everybody goes, whoa. Because the person who is doubting is who? Do you know the passage at all? The person who is doubting is JTB. I know that's his rapper name. That's what I call him in my notes. I don't want to type out John the Baptist every time, so I type out JTB. He's the one who is doubting. The greatest born among women. The prophet who pointed to Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is wondering. He is questioning. And some people, we're going to read the passage in a minute, some people don't like that thought so much. That they say, well, John isn't really doubting here. He's sending sending the question with with two of his followers followers because because they were the ones doubting. Some people don't even like to put that type of of doubt on a person as great as as JTD. JTD. Let's read it, okay? It's John 7, verse 18, all the way to 35. This will be today's section. We won't get to 35 this morning. But we're going to stop when I feel like it or when our time is gone and pick it up this evening. The disciples, the disciples of John, John reported all these things, things to, him. to him. This is after, after the healing, the healing of, of, the, of the widow's, widow's son in the town of Nain.
1: John, John, calling two of his disciples, disciples to him sent, him, sent them to the
0: Lord, Lord saying, are you, are you the one who is to come, come, or shall, shall we, look, we look, look for another? Hear the doubt. Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that that hour, he healed many people people of diseases and and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, blind, he bestowed bestowed sight. sight. He answered
1: answered them, go and and tell John what you have seen and heard.
0: The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news, preach them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What, what then what did you, you go out to see? A man dressed dress in, dress in, in soft clothing? clothing? Like, 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 like. Behold, those, those who Lord are dressed in splendid in clothing, and clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. Court, court, court. What, what then, then did you go out to see? A prophet? Uh, yes. Yes, yes. yes, I tell, I tell you, you, and more than a prophet. prophet. This is this he is is the of whom it is young written. written. Behold, I set my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he all the all people all heard, heard this, is the tax collectors too, they, they declared God, God just, just having have been, been baptized with the baptism of God. But the Pharisees, Pharisees and the lawyers reject, reject the purpose of God themselves, not having been baptized. baptized. By. To what, so what then shall I compare the, the people of this, people this generation? generation? And what, what are they, what they like? like? They are like, like, children like children sitting in the marketplaces calling, calling to one another. One another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not beat. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say, he has a demon. Son of man, man has come, come eating and drinking, and you say, and you say look, look at him, a glutton, a tax collector, collect, a friend, friend of tax collectors and sinners, sin. yet,
1: yet, yet, yet wisdom, wisdom is, is just justified by all her
0: children. Child. It's a long, it's a long, long section, section. And, I, and, I, and what I want to do is, is, is like get through the whole, whole thing, thing, thing today. It's, it's a wonderful section because it is designed to give us assurance and confidence, okay? It is a big surprise that John is struggling with doubt. Are you the coming one, or should we look for somebody else? It's just like we just asked, do I got it right? Have I invested my hopes in vain? Have I trusted the right person, the right thing, the right teaching, or is something else coming along that I should be looking for?
1: Now we know John, according to Luke chapter 3, verse 20, and according to Matthew 11, verse 2, is in what place?
0: He's in prison. He's been locked up. Because he spoke against Herod's incestuous relationship with his brother's wife. So he's locked up in a jail called Machairah's. Machaerus was a uh, fortress, palace-slash-jail uh, that was, was up a on, a on a precipice, precipice overlooking the dead, dead sea, out the, desert, the dead Sea. It was desert, desert. a formidable, dark, so foreboding, dark foreboding, desolate, desolate place. place. And so he's, he's in this in dark, dark, dark castle-slash-prison. Castle prison. And so the, he's, he's doubting, doubting he's struggling. struggling. And so, so I, call I call the, the title of the message The Dark Fortress of Doubt. Because doesn't, doesn't that sometimes what doubt feels like? Doubt kind of feels feels like like where where JTB JTB is. It feels feels like like a foreboding, foreboding, desolate, desolate, alone, hard, hard, out of of the way, way, lonely, scary scary place. place? Because we we want want to be confident and and assured. We 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 want want to be be desperately positive positive that that what what we have have believed in is real. And John has only the prospects of his own death now to look forward to. And so so he is considering, considering, uh, maybe he's even even thinking, thinking, this this is is not not the way way it was supposed supposed to end end up. up. I'm I'm in prison, prison, going going to die, and and I'm not not seeing seeing the things that that I had had even preached about that Jesus Jesus would bring. Let me make some initial thoughts about this before I maybe talk further about John's position. Let me make maybe four initial thoughts about doubt, okay? Number one, Doubt, doubt is simply, simply a, struggle a struggle to believe. believe. Doubt, doubt is, is a struggle to believe. I said it can be momentary or it can be life, a lifelong battle. But doubt is the wavering between faith and unbelief. It is the struggle within us to fully accept the truth of what Christ has done. And for anybody who has dealt with this, it can be a paralyzing, traumatic experience. It's the wondering, and I'll talk in just a minute about the type of things we doubt, but it's, it's, this, it's this waffling between faith and unbelief. Doubt is a struggle to believe. Second, doubt in the Gospels is always happening in a believer. I thought that was an interesting thought. Doubt in the Gospels is always happening in a believer. In other words, doubt is a believer's problem. Okay? And, and we were talking about this a little bit, but uh, this week, Lee and I, and it's like, well, well, don't unbelievers doubt? No, unbelievers don't doubt because unbelievers don't waffle between faith and unbelief. Unbelievers might start to investigate as they're thinking about Christ, but they're not having this issue of, uh, you know, am I, am I really saved or not? They, they might question, is there something out there? But in the sense of what we're talking about, doubt, it's a, it's a believer's issue, okay? It's a believer's issue. What is going on here? Am I doing something? Or Okay, so maybe I should just take it off because it's distracting. We'll just, we'll just leave it at that. Something's going on. Third, so doubt is a struggle to believe. Doubt is the gospels, in the Gospels is always to a believer. Third, even the great ones doubt. I thought that's encouraging, right? Even the great ones doubt. John is called later in the passage, which we'll get to tonight, the greatest born among women, yet here he is in the midst of doubt, the one who boldly proclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yet here he is questioning the very claims of Jesus. Even the great ones doubt. Thomas doubted. The disciples who were with him doubted. Doubt in the gospels luke 24:38 at the resurrection when Jesus um, after the resurrection, why, why were you doubting? or 1431, one of the great experiences of Peter's life when he's walking on the sea and then he looks at the storm and sinks and Jesus grabs him by the hand and says, "Oh, you a little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you struggle between And sometimes it can be that feeling of, yes, I trust Jesus, but I want to be desperately and overwhelmingly sure, right? Is there anything more desperate for you to be sure of than you got it right when it comes to your eternal soul, right? We doubt things like the word, the gospel, the resurrection, the future, God's love for us, his plans for us. I mean, why, why is it that we doubt? And I, I thought this, a lot of people like to place all the doubt issue on Satan. Like Satan is the only agent of doubt. He's not. Satan is one agent of doubt. In fact, at the beginning of time with Eden, his first attack was doubt. Did God really say? His first attack to Eve was doubting the word of God. But it's not just Satan that causes doubt. I don't think John's situation is causing doubt. Satan is the key to the doubt. I think it's his circumstance. It's the situation that he finds himself in. I think circumstances, I think physical illness and weakness and and tiredness can cause doubt. Spiritual attacks can cause doubt. I think disappointment with God can cause doubt. Like, God, why aren't you working this situation out in my favor? John's in prison. Maybe he's a little disappointed with God. I think one of the great keys... Uh, uh, one of the great agents of doubt is our own sinful habits and patterns. When we fall into sin, and we talked about this a little bit at our end of, Sunday school lesson, end of our Sunday school lesson, that our own sin patterns can create doubt in our lives. So, so it's not just Satan. We can't just say it's Satan and Satan alone that causes doubt. All of these other things create doubt in our lives as well. And so fourthly, so doubt is a struggle to believe. In the gospel, it's always with the believer. Even the great ones doubt. And fourth, when you doubt go to christ when you doubt go to christ so john's doubting like i said some people like to say no john isn't doubting it's his friends that are doubting no john is the one who sent and called two of his disciples to him and asked this question okay and the disciples go and they say john the baptist has sent us to you it is john's question and it's not a bad question it's a great question isn't this a great question to ask Think about yourself right now. Jesus, are you the one, or should we wait for someone else? Should we look for somebody else to solve our sin problem, or are you the one? It's a great question if what? You, You ask the right person. You ask the right person, right? And who is the right person to ask? Go to Christ. Go to Christ. In Mark 9, 24, which I read earlier, the guy, the father says, Lord, I believe help my unbelief. That word help is so great. It's a word that means race to my aid. Assist me immediately. That's what the man is crying out. Lord. I, he's struggling. Lord, I believe. Doubt is the struggle between belief and unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help. Run to my aid. And you know what? Jesus never turns the doubter away. He does not turn those type of questions away. And he's going to do that very thing with John the Baptist. Now, keeping in mind John's, John's position, he's in that dark fortress of doubt, his life could end at any time, and he has this desperate question, are you the one who is to come? And by that he means, are you the one who is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament scriptures? Are you the one we've been waiting for in hope, or are our hopes misplaced? Go back two chapters, maybe three, to Luke chapter 3. I guess it's more like four, but Luke chapter three, and I want to point out a little bit of John's preaching. Okay? So, John, the forerunner of Christ, is the one who's pointing out the Messiah to others, and he even preached about him uh, before the ministry of Christ. And let's point out a couple of things that he says. Look at, we're not going to read the whole thing, but let's look at a few verses, some of the things that John states about this Messiah. Luke three, verse nine. Even now, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. What does that sound like to you? You can answer out loud right here. What does that sound like to you? What's that? Okay. Maybe so, but... Yeah, judgment. Every, every tree is going to get chopped down and thrown into the fire. That doesn't sound very pleasant. It sounds like someone is coming to take care of people who are relying on the wrong things and they're going to be punished and judged. Look down at verse 17, verse 16 actually. 16, John answered them saying, I baptize you with water. But he who is mightier than I is coming in the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the, Holy, with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now look at this. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. More judgment, right? More punishment for those that are not part of his kingdom. He continued to preach, and then in verse 20, he, lock, he was locked up in Macaris, the prison, that hillside prison overlooking the Dead Sea. So going back to chapter 7, why is John doubting? Why is John doubting now? Why is he saying, are you the coming one? Or should we look for somebody else? He's he's doubting because Jesus isn't doing what John had proclaimed he was going to do. Where's all the what? Where's the judgment at? Where's the judgment at? I, I'm in prison being held by the one who needs judgment the most. Right? Why, why aren't these Romans being... Uh, Removed from our necks. Something is messed up. Do you know a lot of times doubt arises when Jesus doesn't meet our expectations? Doubt arises when Jesus doesn't meet our expectations in any way. And that's what's going on with John. Something's messed up. You're not bringing the judgment I predicted. And so he sends these witnesses, he sends two, and I think he sends two because in the Old Testament it was the mouth of two witnesses that confirmed a truth. And in the passage, Jesus is going to show John who he is. He's going to declare the privilege of trusting in him. He's going to say, don't look for somebody else. I'm the one. Okay? Basically, two things I want to share this morning before we bring it to a close. What what is it that Jesus gives John to help him With his doubt. I think it's very interesting to note that we don't have have John's response. That's not Luke's focus. We we kind of would like to see in the passage the disciples go back to Maccaris, the prison, and meet with John and and tell him the report, and then for John to say, doubts are gone. Right? Don't you kind of wish that happened? That doesn't happen. In fact, the response of John is not the key. The key is the response to Jesus. And his statement, because the, the, Luke takes us from the prison, if, if, you're, if you're talking about scenes, he takes us from the prison to where Jesus is, and then the disciples go back and he stays with Jesus because that is the key. And Jesus is going to say some things about John that are very helpful, but the focus is not on John's response, it is on the truth. Okay, So what does Jesus tell these followers? I'm going to split it up into two things. Number one, he gives to him some empirical evidence. Empirical is spelled like empire at the beginning, empirical evidence. And it comes from, empirical is a word that comes from a Greek word for experience. Empirical evidence is that, which can be, uh, is that which can be attained by what? Yeah, the senses. You can see it, hear it, touch it, or whatever. It's empirical evidence. Is this cake good? Well, I need empirical evidence. I see it. Uh, that's kind of empirical evidence. The best empirical evidence for a cake would be I, I want to taste it. And then I have empirical evidence. I know that it's good. I have, I have, I'm sure. My doubt is gone. So it's sensory evidence. It is evidence that can be taken in with the senses. And when John's disciples get to Jesus, he performs a massive display of empirical evidence in that very moment. The passage tells us in verse number 21, in that hour, when the guys came, in that hour, he did a bunch of stuff. Look at what he did. He healed many people, number one, of their diseases and plagues. We can kind of include number two. He cast out evil spirits, and he number three, Uh, healed blind people, gave them their sight back. And then he shares a little bit of all of those things with the disciples. Say, hey, go and tell him what you have seen and heard. Tell him this empirical evidence that you've seen and heard. You've observed it with your senses. And he shares a few more things about lepers uh, being reintroduced to society, fully healed, about demon-possessed people being liberated from their spiritual bondage, uh, lame people, their legs straightening out and taking their first steps. And Jesus says the dead are even being raised, which just happened in the city of Nain. And then he concludes by saying that the poor, and I think he means the spiritually poor, are having the gospel preached to them. Based on what they've seen, what could they conclude about this person? What are they going to go back and tell John? The guy is a miracle worker, John. Trust him. We saw some stuff. Or he's a magician. Or maybe if you look back in verse number 16 of chapter 7, this is the response after he raised the guy from the dead. He says, God has visited his people. Whatever the response is, they have seen some empirical evidence. That doesn't help us one bit. And you know what? It didn't help a lot of those people, did it? Anybody alive? Didn't help a lot of those people, Right? Because, even in the midst of all those miracles, what did so many people do? It didn't matter. It didn't matter. Sometimes we say, seeing is believing. That's not true here. What is is believing? What, What word do you have to feel? Seeing isn't believing. Cross that word out and put what word in. Believing is believing. Right. Faith is believing. Trust is believing. Believing is Believing. Because so many people will say, well, if God would just do this, they wouldn't say, they wouldn't say do a magic trick or miracle like that, but they might say, if if God will only heal this loved one of cancer, if God would only give me my job back, if God would only, then I would believe. I've heard people say that a lot. I need some empirical evidence. Empirical evidence didn't do anything for Pharaoh. It didn't do anything for Pilate, it didn't do anything for Herod. Didn't do anything for Judas. Who saw more than Judas? Empirical evidence didn't do anything, but Jesus gave it to John as one point of evidence. Look at Luke 7, verse 30. We're going to come to this tonight. This is so sad. Even after this, this evidence, in that very hour, all these healings, and of course the Pharisees were keeping a close eye on this, but in verse 30, the Pharisees and lawyer. look at the next word. What is it? Pharisees and lawyers, verse 30, rejected. And even in the sight of that empirical evidence. Scripture anyway tells us, Peter does, in Second uh, Peter, that the transfiguration experience that he experienced is actually less sure than the word of prophecy. Remember that? He says, we went up on that holy mountain and we heard the voice of God and we saw the majestic glory as of the only begotten, but we have a more sure word of prophecy. So the second type of evidence is, is scriptural evidence. We have empirical evidence, and then he gives them scriptural evidence. So Jesus not only gives evidence to the disciples to return to John based on what they've seen and heard, but also what they can read about in the scripture. Greater than the miracles and healings is the fact that mercy, liberation, and the gospel of forgiveness are being preached. And you can compare Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19 with Luke chapter 7, verses 22 and 23, and they're very, very similar. The poor have the good news preached to them. Now, in this passage, Jesus alludes to about four different passages in Isaiah. And it's only 20 after 11. I know our feet are getting a little cold, but I want to look at those verses because the only thing, the only place to turn when you have doubt is the Scripture. Okay? It's the Scripture. You're not going to see or experience anything that's going to remove that doubt. You have to rest your weight upon the scripture. And that's why Jesus gives scripture. He doesn't, you know, if you look at Luke 7, where we're at right now, verses 22 and 23, it's not like Jesus says, um, I am fulfilling the Old Testament prop, but he alludes to these places and I want to show you them. Do you mind looking at a few verses? Let's put a finger here or something and and start in Isaiah 26. I want you to see what he's doing. Isaiah 26, there's at least four passages that he uh, alludes to, okay? Remember, what, I'll, I'll read you one more time while you're looking for Isaiah 26. Here's what he says, okay? He did some stuff, and then he said some stuff. And the stuff that he said is more reliable than the stuff that he did, if you can believe that, right? He answered them, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, dead are raised up, poor have good news, preach them. That's what he says. Now look at Isaiah 26, 19. Uh, that's not the right verse. Hold on. Doggone it, I, I wrote the wrong verse down. I, I can't stand when it, oh, it's, it's, oh, I was looking at the right verse. Sorry, I was The numbers are so small in this brand new Bible. Someone want to read that out loud? Someone read it out loud. We got a little smaller in attendance today. Someone read it. Isaiah 26, 19. Let's hear what it has to say. Nice and loud. And that's what he said. The dead are raised. John, go back and tell John the dead are raised. John, you know the Old Testament, Isaiah 26. Your dead shall come to life. A couple chapters later, 29 verses 18 to 21. 29, 18 to 21. It's a longer section, but I'd like to have somebody read it. Will somebody read it nice and loud, please? Twenty-nine, eighteen to 21. Yeah, look, at the, look at the passage, especially at the beginning. The deaf will be hearing. They will come out of doom and glark, gloom and darkness, not doom and darkness. Gloom and darkness. The eyes of the blind will see, the meek will get joy. The poor. Remember he talked about the poor receiving the gospel, and he talks about the opposite. If they don't accept, the scoffers will cease. and, and we kind of see that even in, in uh, Luke 7 verse 30. Another one. Go ahead to chapter 35, verse five and six. What Jesus is showing John is, I am fulfilling the Old Testament scriptures, and this scriptural evidence should remove your doubt. Someone, verses 5 and 6. Nice and loud, please. Last one for you guys to read. 35, 5, and 6. Somebody jump in. Go to Isaiah 61, the last one. I'll read this one. But yeah, same, very similar thing. The eyes will be open, ears of the deaf. Lame will, you know, it sounds like uh, oh, 4,000 tongues to sing. You know, that's the song. Ye leap for, uh, I'm going to try to quote the song, and that's uh, blind behold your Savior coming. He talks all about that. It's right from the scriptures. Isaiah 61, 1 to 4. Listen, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is exactly what Jesus quotes in Luke 4. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins and raise up the former devastations. They will repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. Make your way back to Luke 7 while I say this. So what Jesus is saying is, go back and tell John that the Scripture is being fulfilled. Okay? That's what he's saying. Go back and tell him, you know, he says, are you the coming one? And when John says, are you the coming one or the one to come, he himself is, is making his inquiry, making his inquiry about Jesus based on what he knows about the Old Testament. And so Jesus says, absolutely I am the one who is to come based on what I'm doing, but what I am doing is fulfilling the Scripture. And the Scripture is what will give you that assurance. So when we doubt. The solution isn't just to continue to muse over our own thoughts and to try to make sense of it or or to continue to contemplate and wonder over and over. The solution is to rest our full weight on the Scriptures and to see that it is Jesus of Nazareth who fulfilled all the promises of Isaiah, and it is this scriptural evidence that Jesus points the doubting one to. I already said that the most important part for Luke isn't the response of John. We don't hear what happens uh, when the people go back and share the news. The important part is the certainty that comes to the heart of the person who looks at the prophecies and see that Jesus is the one that fulfills them. Now let's finish this in Luke 7 here. There is no explanation as to why John's in prison. There's no encouragement. There's no, hey, continue to be faithful there in jail. I know it's bad. It's just this scriptural statement that he's fulfilling. And he gives this final kind of Statement that is meant to be a real strengthening point, and it is. Verse 23, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. The only encouragement that Jesus gives is that there is blessing to the person who is not offended by Jesus. That doesn't mean like what we would say is offended. Like if I said, I was kind of teasing you about your pronouns, that offended me. You say something offensive and say, well, I'm offended. You know, that's not what he means. Like, we're offended at the statements of Jesus. You really could cross that out. Maybe your word says stumble over me. Blessed is the person who doesn't stumble. Here's a couple verses to, to listen to and to heed for just a minute. Isaiah 8, 14 and 15. He will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel. Many will stumble on it. There will be many that stumble on Christ there's people who stumble on Christ today they just can't get over it what shall we say then Romans 9 verse 30 what shall we say then that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it a righteousness that is by faith but that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law why because they did not pursue it by faith but as if it were based on works they have stumbled over the stumbling stone What he's saying there, I'm going to read the rest of a minute, what he's saying there is that the Israelites would not accept Christ because they felt like it was of works, not of faith, that they would be saved, and they stumbled over this teaching of Jesus. They stumbled over it, and they said, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, and whoever believes in Jesus or whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Let me make this very clear statement. Here's what he's saying about blessed is the one who has not offended me. Blessed is the one who doesn't stumble. Blessed is the one who doesn't struggle. Blessed is the one who doesn't doubt trusting in jesus never leads to shame or disappointment jesus is the rock jesus is the stone don't stumble over the works of him just because he isn't meeting your expectations and i said it's easy to say well satan is causing me to doubt well sometimes we really doubt because of our own sin or because of our own expectations jesus you didn't you didn't heal this person maybe you don't love me or or uh you know, Jesus, you're, you're not doing what, you, what you're supposed to be doing, and we stumble over it. When you doubt, run to Christ, like the man who believed and said, but help my unbelief. Blessed is the person, 23, or happy is the person who doesn't stumble. Now, the word blessed in the passage is singular, which means this is meant as, a, as an injunction specifically to John. But the truth is for everyone as well who does not stumble. Think about this, the story of Luke. We're, we're doing our study. We're calling it the greatest story ever told. Everyone in the story has struggled with doubt. And, and I said even the great ones. The greatest ones struggled. The very beginning of Luke, it's about doubt. With who? How does Luke begin? The very beginning of, of Luke starts with doubt. From who? 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 Yeah, Zacharias, he comes into the temple. He comes into the uh, temple to burn the offering. An angel is standing there. Got super empirical evidence. Seeing is believing, right? Well, hey, my wife's old. All right, because you doubted and didn't believe. You know, you're uh, you're not going to speak, Mary. Behold, uh, you you will conceive. How shall this be? I've never known a man right? Doubting. Joseph, doubting. Disciples, doubting. Now, John the Baptist, doubting. Why is there blessing for a person who doesn't stumble? That's because assurance. When one is, when one is assured, and, and again, let me, let me make this point. The only reason, I, I started by beginning this way, the only reason we as a church can pound on the pulpit and say, we got it right okay? Everybody's doing that. Every church is doing that. We got it right. But the reason we're saying we got it right is because we believe this book is right. We don't have it right because we got the clever pastor, right? Because you don't. And we don't got it right because uh, we followed in the right traditions. We got it right because we're reading this book and we're believing what God says about how one comes to Him, Right? Isn't that right? There's no other hope for a doubting person. If you're doubting your salvation or if you're doubting whether Christ is, is really the answer, you, don't go home and just lay on your bed and be like, oh no. It's, get this book open and look at it. And it takes away the doubt when you believe and trust this book. And when you have that, there is a blessing, as he says in verse 23. Because when you're assured, there's joy, there is purpose, there is meaning, there is mission, there is hope, there is peace, and there is rest. Jesus did not want his followers to spend years of this kind of waffling doubt, like wondering if they, if, if Christ is really right or if this is really the answer. Right? And that's why our study in Second Peter on Sunday school says if you are building and adding to your faith, that brings assurance. Which is why we always say, well, Satan is the one causing me to doubt. Generally not. Generally, it's that sin pattern in your life because you haven't added to your faith. You're not growing as a Christian. And you're looking at your own life and saying, well, I must not be a Christian because I, I'm not growing. When you sense the doubts coming, trust the living Word of God that proves who the person of Christ is, that He is truly who He said He was. That he provides a life-giving, hope-filled gospel for anyone who would receive him. Get out of that dark fortress of doubt and ask Jesus the right question, just as John did. And discover that sure word of prophecy. Just like the songwriter says, this rock is Jesus. Yes, he's the one. This rock is Jesus, the only one. So be very sure that your anchor holds and grips that solid rock. And he wants to give you that assurance. Don't trust an experience, don't trust your own pattern of living, don't trust what another person says to you, don't trust a date in your bible, trust the very word of God. Right? I hope that's encouragement to you. Father, thank you so much for Jesus, our savior. Thank you for his life-giving message and and his his uh, sacrificial death. Thank you for his promise of peace, his fulfillment of the scriptures. We pray, Father, that as we leave this place today, we will be sure and convicted of the things that we believe, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen.